RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. This episode of Priority One is brought to you by GamePrint. We thank them and our patrons for their support of Priority One Podcast. Command codes verified. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Hello, Captains. You're listening to episode 425 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast, your weekly report from the Star Trek multiverse. Recorded live throughout the 2019 Star Trek convention in Las Vegas, Nevada, and available for download or streaming on Friday, August 9th at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Elijah. And this week, we are delighted to share with you the second part of our recorded coverage of STLV 2019. This episode includes interviews with Rekha Sharma and the Star Trek Online team, Connor Trenier, John Delancey, and in gaming, Lucid Light, CTO, Fazri Zubair sits down with us to talk about how cryptocurrencies and Star Trek will meld in their game's upcoming expansion. However, before we begin, I do need to take a moment to thank the folks that made this possible. To begin with, thanks to our patrons, because without their loyal support, we would not be able to produce the quality content that you've come to expect each week from Priority One. Remember, we offer perks to those of you that join the Priority One patron family, so I encourage you to visit patreon.com forward slash Priority One and find out about all the cool things we offer for your financial support. Next up, a huge thanks to Mixed Dimensions. Through their sponsorship, this year we were able to attend STLV and provide you with minute-by-minute coverage of the convention. From panels, to booths, to live streams on the convention floor, Well, without their support, STLV would not have been possible. Now, if you haven't already checked it out, I performed a live unboxing of a hand-printed Galaxy-class starship with the help of Star Trek Online's lead UI and ship artist, Thomas Moroni. Don't miss it, because we were even joined by the Delaney sisters. And if you love your starships in Star Trek Online, then imagine displaying them in 3D on your desk, in your office, or wherever you flaunt your trek. Visit GamePrint.net and use coupon code PRIORITY20 at checkout to save 20% off of your order. That's PRIORITY20 at checkout. We thank GamePrint and our patrons for their support. Now, without further ado, let's jump into part two of Priority One's coverage of STLV 2019. Jump places. I don't know. Then let's trek it out. I have the absolute honor of sitting with the incomparable John Delancey here at the Las Vegas Star Trek convention hosted by Creation Entertainment. Mr. Delancey, thank you so very much for spending some time with us here today. You are quite welcome. Thank you. So for starters, uh, 
I'm curious to get your opinion on the evolution of Star Trek fans over the course of the last several years, especially now that Trek has had a resurgence on film and in television. Well, where I see it most clearly is um, that it's bringing in other generation. It's bringing in the next, and actually the next generation. I, I now seeing three generations of Trek fans, and um, and in 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 sort of a strange way, also is that I, I happen to do. I mean, one of the jobs you never know what's going to stick on the wall. But I did a a, a voiceover job for My Little Pony that became. <laughs> So popular. So now there are people who are coming, the little, you know, little six-year-olds, girls and boys that are going, and this is Discord. My daughter knows you as Discord. That, that is right, cute. Right. And, yeah. and then because they, they, they've seen me as Discord. And then and they, they, go, and watch they go and watch Q. And it's like, what? That's what? Yeah, yeah. exactly. You see that. Right, yeah. right, uh -huh. right, right. right. That's fantastic. That's what, and, and let's be real. There are some bronies out there, too, that, that recognize you from that. Yes, there are. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I, I do. I, I want to get this question right out of the way, of course. And I'm sure you've been getting it all weekend long. Any possibility of Q influencing Picard in the upcoming series? You know, uh, no one has asked me. No. It's, <laughs> and it is it, it, it's a uh, uh, the best I can explain to you. It's like wondering if you're going to be invited to somebody's dinner party it, uh, you know i don't ask and you know it would be nice to work with patrick but maybe it's will and maybe it won't so and i don't hold my breath fair enough fair enough yeah. now uh, mr Delancey, you work uh, closely with timelines you were at the panel a few days ago getting to meet some of the players tell us a little bit about your involvement in timelines you do more than just vo for the company Yes, uh, they asked me to be involved, and I said I really wanted to be involved, not just, you know, use my name and pay for it, that type of thing. So uh, they brought me to uh, uh, Boston, and uh, I was involved in a number of those opening discussions and, uh, and saw how, how everything was, was being done. It was fascinating to me, uh, not knowing how you put a video game together. It was really interesting to me. And then I got involved uh, and, and became friendly with some of the people who were still there. And one of them in particular, Jessica Slowinski, who is the one who does all the writing. So, and, uh, and she and I banged out uh, some storylines and they are, they are being used. So Q lives on in timelines, which is fantastic. And you do an amazing work on, uh, on that game. Thanks. So what are you currently working on now? What can people look forward to? Well, if you are in Amsterdam, in the middle of, uh, I think it is, what is it? It's the 10th of September. Uh, you can see me in a rock concert. <laughs> That's great. Are you the lead guitarist or uh, one of the, one of the yeah, dancers? I, I'm getting my hair, you know, dyed black and I'm going to get a lot of tats. And, <laughs> and, and, uh, um, I, um, I was asked... Um, to be involved in uh, a, a show called The Electric Castle. And they sent me a narration, which, uh, uh, with the proviso that, that uh, um, Arjen, didn't, Arjen sent it to me, and he did not like it very much. So I said, well, let me have a crack at it. So I wrote a new narration. And I have to say, it's not too unlike a Q character, a, a, uh, a character called The Forever, 
who has created kind of a a contest, a trial, or whatever, uh, by bringing these eight humans and running them through their paces, uh, and that, and and there are seventeen songs attached to this, so that's that's how it works. Wow, that's fantastic! Yeah. Congratulations. As a writer, I mean, you're able to make the universe yourself, right? I mean, does that does your experiences cue? I mean, is that feeding into that? Are you doing more writing now? Do you feel like that's something you want to uh, keep doing? Doing a lot of writing over a, a longer period of time. I mean, I wrote a lot of uh, shows for symphony orchestras that had nothing to do with cue. Right. <laughs> uh, 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 this one was within a couple of uh, within a within a, a few minutes. I I said, now, why are you having me? You know, why do you want me? He goes, well, I'm a big Q fan. I said, okay, so right, you give them the fans what they want. Yeah. yeah so okay, so right. I, I said, okay, we'll we'll make something that's sort of like that. But I, you know, I don't go around playing Q. So, uh, but you, I, you're yeah. comfortable with it, though. But right? I I certainly know the character. Yeah. Right. Right. Exactly. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Well, Mr. Delancey, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. We are so very grateful that you were able to sit down with us and Thank chat you. a little bit. Thank you. Uh, we hope we, to see so much more of you and hopefully a triumphant return of Q in the new Picard season. Season two, man. Uh, they, yes. They'd be foolish not to bring yeah, you back. Yeah, Picard, yeah. The, the history between those two. Well, they didn't put me in any movies, so they were uh, foolish about that, too. That was so. stupid, too. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> Thank you very Wouldn't much. be the first time. All right. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Captain's joining us for another interview here at Star Trek Las Vegas. It's none other than the incomparable Connor Trenier. Thank you so very much for joining us for a few moments here. It's a pleasure. So, uh, you've been, you are no stranger to the convention circuit. How no. has it been now that there's so much more track going on? Has there been a change, a shift in the audience that you have noticed? Yeah, it's gotten, there's another generation that's come up. It's gotten... I won't say it's gotten younger, but younger people have also, you know, turned on to it. Um, and that's always good, you know. To, you know, the original crowd is, they're getting older. <laughs> and uh, what, you know, what are your thoughts on that, you know, all this new series coming out, the, you know, Discovery, obviously. Uh, if you could give advice to the cast, what would it be? One's own experience at these is unique unto itself. And... They've done enough of these to know already that that you know they're they're in a um, you know a warm environment and these are really the best fans in the world. They they keep coming back and they're so loyal and you know so for instance today alone I have had at least five people come up to me and say you know what your character inspired me to become the engineer that I am now. And, you know when you hear things like that and how you've uh, inspired someone to do something like that is i mean that's priceless yeah yeah that must hit that must hit to the heart that's great yeah and uh, tell us a little bit of what you're doing now what's uh what kind of projects are you working on is there anything on the dock that we can look forward to uh there's a movie i did that's gonna come out or not <laughs> <laughs> i'm doing season two of the purge the, oh, t the wow, tv nice. show on usa I'm doing nice, that right now nice flying out of here on sunday actually to to do another episode. Nice. Congratulations. Yeah, we'll thanks. Forward to yeah. That. yeah. Now, um, I don't know if you're familiar with a live action uh, MMO called Star Trek Online. Nope. Uh, so they do essentially, it's a multiplayer game that takes place in the Star Trek universe. Uh, would you reprise your role as Trip? Even to lend your voice as a voiceover to the game? I'm sorry, you mean for the game? Yeah, yeah. Sure. Yeah, yeah. you know. 
because everyone knows you really didn't die in the last yeah. episode. Everyone knows that. That yeah. did not happen, for sure. Somebody came up to me yesterday, and they were like, I have a great idea for you, a business idea. You should make T-shirts. Say, Trip's dead, period. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. So, uh, if you could, I mean, just just play play this in your head for a minute. What would Trip be doing after he come after he comes back from the not dead? What would he do? Just just play with it for a second. What what, what where would you have taken Trip in season five? They gave me so much to do that I was always really impressed with the kind of messes they got me into. I was asked this yesterday, I think, at the um, at the Q and A, and they had said, "What would you? What do you think would have happened had you?" You know, the show gone seven years and you hadn't been killed off. And I think that um, I think that he would have been a father, you know, and that would have been a really interesting line to go on. A great adventure for him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that being one myself that, you know, it, it literally changes the, the scramble in your brain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah that would have been a, been a different arc for the character for sure. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I hadn't really thought of it until they asked me and that's. That's what I would like to have seen. It would have been an interesting thing to uh, to deal with. Right, right, yeah. right. Well, Mr. Trenier, thank you so very much for stopping by and chatting with us here a little bit. We won't take up more of your time, but we hope you have a wonderful rest of the convention. Thank you. And safe travels. Thank you. Likewise. Computer status report. Status. Incoming message. I'm only in the mood for good news today. Captains, we are here still at Star Trek Las Vegas 2019, hosted by Creation Entertainment at the Rio. And today I am joined by CTO and co-founder of Lucid Sight, Fazri Zuber. Thank you so very much for joining me today. Uh, thank uh, you for having me. We're going to be talking about uh, Star Trek CSC. So tell us a little bit about the game. It's a game that's coming out on Steam and is already available to play in beta. Yes, uh, in alpha, actually. We're, we're early, early stages of the game, but it's very robust and already has this huge community. Uh, CSC is a space MMORPG, very similar to EVE Online uh, in size and scope. And the primary objective of the game is for the users to claim resources, combat other ships, uh, interact with each other. And we designed it in an open world sandbox that lets the users really dictate the course of the game. But now help me understand a little bit about the game because right now in its current iteration, Star Trek has not yet hit, right? The 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 that IP and those ships have not yet made it into the game. So this is a, a science fiction game in space that is now bringing in Star Trek assets. Correct. So uh, we worked with the people at CBS who were wonderful, loved what we were doing. And later this month, actually, August 29th, uh, di uh, a Divergence Rift will be opening up in the CSE universe, um, which is actually from Star Trek lore, uh, episode of Voyager, where the ship splits. We're using that lore as inspiration for how these ships are going to split into our game universe. And we'll have some fun context around, like, the the... NPCs and AIs in our universe looking at these things like, what are these? But then offering it to the user base as, hey, here's something you can get. 
So before even Star Trek gets into the universe, uh, tell us a little bit more about the gameplay. What is the user experience once they log on to Steam and play, start playing? Sure. Uh, gameplay is uh, very straightforward. I think EVE Online is a great example of it, though we try to go simpler. Um, EVE's a wonderful game. I've played it for many of years, just like I've played Star Trek Online. And the challenge is EVE is very complex and hard for a new player to come in. So what we were looking to do is create a game where we simplified a lot of those elements. For one, the game is in full 3D. You could rotate your camera all the way around your ship, but when you command your ship to move, you could only move on a two-dimensional plane. Removing the third axis makes it a lot simpler for users to interact, find each other, and, and it runs a little bit more like a traditional MMO. So think of World of Warcraft, where you're going to be running to spawn points, harvesting NPCs, looking for resources, but you're doing it with other players on a single instance across the universe. Now... Talk to us a little bit about that community. How easy is it for players to experience the game together? It is incredibly easy. Um, our development teams have done a wonderful job. The game's actually been in development for just a little bit over a year, and we have taken a different philosophy in how we made this game. We went straight to our user community from the get-go. Six months after we announced, we had a pre-alpha that users were playing together. Uh, now, we're, here we are about a year after we have announced and we've been bringing in heavy development. We have a fully playable client. We support thousands of users a week. Uh, and we have about 17,000 users signed up for when this game goes on to Steam. Um, it'll actually be available next week publicly on Steam through the early access channels. Um, but right now, if you want to play, hop over to our website, go into our Discord. Uh, there are already six major clans in the game, a few of them Star Trek themed. Um, after we made their announcement, the Ferengi Alliance joined the CSE universe. Uh, so did the Borg Collective, and there's already been conflicts uh, between various guilds uh, that have had some Star Trek overtones, which has been remarkable uh, what our fan base and our community base has been doing with this. Now, you've compared it already to some MMOs like EVE Online, and EVE Online is, is a game where you could lose all of your resources in a raid battle or whatnot. I mean, there's it's hit headlines of millions of dollars being lost in a massive raid. Uh, the unique thing about CSC is that it involves blockchain technology. And why don't you explain a little bit about what blockchain is for players that may not be familiar with it? Sure. Um, the best example of blockchain I could give is Bitcoin. Uh, Bitcoin is a cryptocurrency, and it's the first digital item that was truly scarce where I could give you one and then it was yours. And there's no way for me to ever get it back until you gave it to me. And the baseline that uh, technology that powers Bitcoin is called blockchain. Uh, simply put, blockchain is a distributed database that's hosted on thousands of computers across the world. For someone to make a change to the blockchain, you need to submit a change, prove that it is you who are doing it to your, your own wallet, transferring money, and then 51% of those computers need to agree that this is valid. This makes it incredibly difficult to hack, so far impossible, because if you did want to hack uh, a blockchain account and say, I want to move the ownership of the Starship Enterprise from Fosri's wallet to your wallet, uh, you could do that on your local computer, but you need to do it simultaneously on thousands or hundreds of thousands of computers worldwide within a very small time window to successfully hack that. And this is what makes blockchain technology remarkably dif difficult to hack, actually virtually impossible to hack today, uh, and creates these value propositions of digital items. 
Um, I mean, it's amazing. Just in 2017, uh, company, a company launched a game called Crypto Kitties and sold several cats, digital 2D images of cats for over $100,000 each. I do remember that hitting headlines. I've been following blockchain technology for quite a bit, and I was curious to really kind of get involved a little bit in how crypto is going to play an integral part in, in CSC. So tell us about the purchasing process, right? Let's sure. say I want a ship. What would I need? And how then does blockchain influence the value of that ship or its connection to me? Sure. Well, the best part is um, we've been in this space now from the start. And this year we've launched uh, we've launched a game with Major League Baseball. We're launching this game now and having uh, Star Trek assets in it. We've made it so you don't need uh, cryptocurrency to actually purchase a ship. You could buy it with a credit card. You could buy it with your Steam account. Once the asset is created in the game, our backend system creates the blockchain reference for it and then holds it for you if you're not uh, familiar with crypto, uh, crypto and blockchain technology just yet. When you are more familiar and you decide, hey, I want to put this in a safe place, I want to add this to my will, I want to put this into a flash drive or a hardware wallet, we have instruction videos that can show you how to set all that up. And then it's easy to transfer from the game client into these secure storage mediums that then you have more direct control over. So, but, but what does it mean, for instance? So let's say I play another game and I buy uh, some promotional card or ship or sure. whatnot and it, it goes into my account. What is the difference from that digital purchase to your, your digital purchase in CSC? that is linked to the blockchain. So anytime you buy an item from any other game, if you look at their terms of service, it's a licensing agreement saying, you have some limited use of this item. When we create blockchain secured assets, we use a globally recognized standard format called ERC-721. That ownership record can never be taken back by us. Once you have it, there's no way we could actually take that ownership back. Now, just like a t-shirt, if you wear a Star Trek t-shirt, you don't own the Star Trek IP, but you could sell me that t-shirt and I value it because there's IP associated with it. Similar concept. You don't own the IP behind it, but you own that ownership record. And just like owning a car or owning a shirt or owning a mug, you could trade it independently of the game. And this creates a secondary economy that we've seen a, a massive amount of movement in in a short period of time with a relatively small community. I think last we checked on a, a secondary market called OpenSea, CSC had a market cap valuation of $8.5 million with thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars of volume moving between users every day. Now, I was reading that, so right now you Actually, are linked week. with, uh, I'm sorry? Oh, every week, not yeah. every day. Um, so I was reading that uh, the game launched working with Bitcoin, correct? But you're also oh, Ethereum. Oh, so it is Ethereum. Yeah. Is it strictly on Ethereum and only going to stay on Ethereum or will be using other blockchain technology? Uh, we're investigating other blockchains. As blockchain technology gets better, there's some, uh, there's some exciting things in scalability. Uh, but we actually created a middle layer that could manage on any blockchain called Scarcity Engine. And that's what all our games run on. And this middle layer allows us to do things like, for example, we released a new set of equipment for ships uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, within the first three seconds, over 10,000 of them were bought. There's not a blockchain out today that could handle 10,000 transactions in three seconds. Uh, but modern gaming technology can. So we kind of created this hybridized layer that uses standard MMO technology to facilitate these transactions and then over time synchronize it to the blockchain. Now, uh, for those of you unaware, Ethereum is essentially the second greatest blockchain token, coin rather, uh, available to invest in or uh, develop. Um, why Ethereum? 
So Ethereum is the only block or was the first blockchain to introduce what's called a smart contract. And a smart contract is what makes these items, we call them true digital items, possible. It lets you run a little bit of code uh, on a blockchain transaction. So instead of just saying, I have one, you have one, right. now I can say, I have number 42 enterprise on this game. It lets you store a little bit more data and allow, it basically makes what we're doing possible. So uh, I go in the game, I buy an enterprise D for, would I be able to apply the, let's say it's one Ethereum. Is, can I apply it and think of it that way? So I buy it for one Ethereum. It becomes mine. But later on, I could potentially sell it to another player for another one Ethereum or let's say Ethereum goes up in price or up in value. It would be therefore valued at a, a higher cost, essentially. Yeah, absolutely. So if you bought an Enterprise D for one Ethereum, we try to right now standardize in our games. We just go with US dollars. Makes it easier for everyone to understand. We have uh, in-game virtual currency. We accept Ethereum. We accept multiple different types of currency through our, our client. Uh, later, let's say two years down the road, you decide I'm done with CSC. I want to move on to Star Trek Online. Well, normally in this scenario, when you buy an item in a game and you move on to another game, that's lost money. Right. You're never going to be recovered. Yet, interestingly enough, we don't do that with anything else in life. When we buy a car, when we buy a house, there's always a resale value for someone else who might be coming in when you're going out. That's what this lets us do. When you decide you're done with the game, maybe you're going to keep it just for a memento or maybe you're done with it and you want to recoup some of that value, you can put it onto a secondary market, either through our game client or one of the dozens out there today, and recover some value depending on whatever the user values are that. Now, let's let's talk worst case scenario, right? And and hopefully this doesn't happen to CSC in, in any way, shape, or form. Let's say the game is stops developing, right? I spent $100 on, on CSC. Before the game shuts down, theoretically... I could sell those items back and re re get back some value to the to the money I have, or yeah, it, de it depends on the users willing to buy it. So you know, games come and go, right. and assets in CSC will persist forever on the blockchain. So be it if the client exists and the servers are running or not, that ownership record exists, and I'll have some value to a user. So let's say a hundred years from now, because I'm going to be that optimistic. Yes, of course. hundred years from now, CSC is obsolete and everyone's now going into the holodeck and playing different games. Right, right. And we decided we can't upgrade this title. That ownership record still exists. You still own number 42 Enterprise. You might have been the only owner of it, so it might be a mint condition digital asset. And there's value to that. Just like, uh, you know, Star Trek toys that exist from the 60s and 70s. It's not the funnest thing to play with anymore, but there's value in having that ownership. And really, uh, it, it, it is having that choice, that ability, the fact that even though the game servers go away, there still could be a trade of this ownership record, which is what makes it really exciting. Fascinating. Yeah, that's very interesting because, of course, you know, you play a game and we spoke about this momentarily and it's mine and only mine. And it's, uh, you know, it, it, it loses its value the moment I pay for it. But in this case... It can perhaps even go up in value, yeah. you know, an, an asset that I purchased from the game. Absolutely. I mean, I'd love to say, like, the user behavior we're seeing is, you know, I've been in the games industry now for almost a decade, and it's amazing to see what's happening now. A game of our size at our scale at this point in development shouldn't be seeing what we're currently seeing. We're seeing massive guilds and clans forming. We're seeing political intrigue. One of our... Um, 
one of our clans, actually, it's my favorite story. The Ferengi Alliance was just formed a month ago. They created a new crypto token called Gold Press Latinum that they use as a clan reward. If you're familiar with MMOs, you participate yeah. in clans, usually they assign you points and you can spend that. Well, they digitized the whole process, created their own secondary token currency, hands that to clan members for doing clan activities like harvesting resources or participating in fleet battles. And the clan members could use that on third-party websites uh, that accept that currency from the clan leadership. So the clan leadership will put up like a rare ship in our game for 500 gold press latinum. Their members could go and then buy that for 500 gold press latinum. And there's now a whole secondary sub-economy for this clan. Wow, that's just fascinating. built on the blockchain using right. blockchain technology. Wow. This is within weeks of the clan forming. That's what the technology lets you do. It lets you rapidly deploy complex systems of trustless trade and ownership. Uh, and it creates some amazing economic activity in the game. I think that's been one of our most successful clans in terms of recruiting, not our biggest yet. Our biggest is Dark Horizon, which has been around from the start. Um, but, you know, the Borg Collective came into the game. Dark Horizon signed a non-aggression pack with the Ferengi Alliance. Wouldn't sign it with the Borg Collective. Ferengi Alliance now is doing what you'd really expect them to do. They're being basically the equipment dealer for both uh, both sides. Uh, the game mechanics allow you to harvest resources, craft weapons, ships. These are consumable. Uh, you asked earlier, like, EVE Online, if there's a battle, thousands of dollars can disappear. Very much so in CSC. There's areas of this, uh, areas once we get out of alpha into beta, that will have permadeath. So if users combat in those areas, they could lose their ship, they could lose their items. It, there's a serious risk-reward ratio going here. Uh, and that's what's really exciting about this game. It's a, it's a whole new way of looking at economics in a game. And how are you involved with the community? What, what avenues and what tools do you use to talk with the players of the Frankie Alliance, for instance, um, how do you keep channels open to make sure that there is a developer-player relationship? So we went with a community-first focus in this game. Uh, we had an active Discord channel from day one. I'm in that channel every day, and I try to at least every day or every other day post a developer note from the CTO. Um, I have a whole fleet of engineers working on this, but I think it's important that they feel they could directly reach me, especially when we're in these early stages. If they find exploits or cheats or hacks, we've had a phenomenal community in our pre-alpha and our alpha where nothing's persistent yet, helping us find all these things, making the game solid and ready for this big economic free user market uh, game that we're going to have. Awesome. So before we wrap up, uh, one, is there anything that we have not yet discussed that you'd want to spotlight for people um, in terms of the game development? And then, of course, let's wrap up by reminding everyone where they can get the game, when they can get the game, uh, and when the Star Trek IP folds into CSC. Sure. Uh, the only other thing I'd love to say about the game is we have um, a infinite crafting system. So our crafted items can level up exponentially. And it's is governed by a set of algorithms that we've created. It'll get harder over time, but you can have an item that starts as tech one that can go up to tech 99. Uh, but each progressive level gets an uh, exponentially harder by a factor of five. So what's neat about this is we have users that are now focusing in. I want to be the best laser manufacturer or I want to be the best uh, resource scanner. And they are spending their resource points, their time, their energy, their effort 
deconstructing, rebuilding, and trying to craft these higher level items, really creating a specialized economy, which is something we really were hoping for and something we're hoping to see when uh, crafting as a full-fledged feature comes out in a few weeks. Awesome, awesome. And again, let's remind everybody where they can get it and when. Sure. Uh, if you're interested in trying CSE today, it's available, csc-game.com. You can go into our Discord channel and ask for a Steam key or ask to get a download link and play right now today for free. Uh, it'll be launching on Steam next week. Uh, we're going to have an entry point while we're in our early access period of $10. But what that'll give you is it's going to give you a starter ship and a bunch of equipment to work with, uh, which is a great leg up for new users coming in. Uh, and then later this month, on the 29th of August, we will be launching our Divergence event. Uh, during this event, a limited supply of Star Trek ships will be released. Uh, uh, there's six ships that we have, the USS Enterprise uh, NCC-1701 from the original series. The Constitution class? Yep. Uh, we have the Galaxy class uh, from TNG. Okay. We have the USS Voyager. We have a Bird of Prey from Deep Space Nine, the IKS Retaran specifically. And we have the Defiant. Uh, and along with that, we also have a runabout class shuttle, which will be generally available to everyone who participates in the event. So at the minimum, you're going to have some piece of blockchain Star Trek memorabilia that you could play in our CSE sandbox. Uh, and if you're lucky enough and you happen to find or discover, you could end up with one of the few Enterprise Ds that we're going to have or the Constitution class. So these ships will be limited in supply. Yeah. And quantity. Limited in supply and quantity. Some can be earned through gameplay on a first-come, first-served discovery basis. Uh, the rest will be able to be purchased, and the first six of each of these ships will be auctioning off. Oh, fascinating, fascinating. Well, Fazri, thank you so very much for thank stopping you for by. Me. Of course, of course. I'm so glad that we were able to talk. I hope that we can continue to cover... CSC in the coming months for the next hundred years until we move on to the holodeck. <laughs> at, at least I'm going to say 200 now. Right. I'm really, really optimistic. <laughs> so thank you so very much. And I look forward to hearing more from CSC. Thank you for having me. Of course. Security clearance level three or above is required to access files. This is Captain Benjamin Sisko. Authorization Cisco Alpha 1 Alpha. Logs accessed. Captains, I am thrilled to be here in Star Trek Las Vegas for the 2019 convention. And joining me for our first event here at the Roddenberry booth is the team behind Star Trek Online and a very special guest, Rekha Sharma. Thank you all for joining me. Why don't we go around and introduce ourselves, the dev team here. Hey, well, I'm Al Rivera. I'm the lead designer of Star Trek Online. Uh, I'm Bill Yates. I am the uh, art director on Star Trek Online. I'm Rekha Sharma. Thank you so much <laughs> for joining us this afternoon. For starters, how has your convention experience been so far here this year? Well, I just got here. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> so, fair so, enough. Yeah, I just I just got here this few hours ago, and so I'm just reacquainting myself with old friends. Great, 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 great. Rekha, how how's it been for you? Fantastic, Wonderful. as usual. It's been a, quite a few people here this year. It feels like there's a bit more than right. yeah, than yeah. Per, last year. Which is not surprising, given all the exciting news that's happening in the Trekverse. Right. And, yeah, it's just so great to see all my friends and colleagues from this world. I'm super happy to be with everyone. You've had a couple panels. I have. Right? Yeah. Killer panels. We had nice. great discussions. Good. Great Good. discussions. Uh, yeah. You did one with uh, Women at Warp, correct? A few Women at ago. Warp yesterday was really, really enjoyable. I feel like we could have talked for another five hours. Right. Yep. And the day before, then we did like a standard panel, mit little mishmash of people. Yeah, all great discussions. Dis Discovery cast, right? You had Discovery you with, cast. Um, 
Yeah, with, with, that's with, right. With Clint Howard, right? Yeah, but it feels like more of a mishmash because it's, you know, one person's doing the voice for Discovery. Jennifer, Julianne, something with a J. Anyways, she was great. And then Clint Howard, he's been in like everything. And then um, Harry Judge, who I, I've never even met and didn't know what he looked like because he's in a, you know, full prosthetic. He's the, oh, yeah. he's the to- Tellerite. The Tellerite. Tellerite. Yeah. Yeah. Did yeah, I get his name right? God, I'm terrible. Bill, how about you? How's it treating you so far? Uh, it's been awesome so far. Awesome. Um, it's, it's, uh, you know, I'm I'm new to going to the conventions. My second convention, but it's every time that I've come, the second time, it's like wow, oh wow, oh wow, right, like right, so. Right. It, uh, and then the other thing that's nice is having, uh, you know, fans have stopped me and like, oh hey, I really like what you guys have done so far, and it's, and it's sort of like realizing I'm a part of the. The, you know, the, the Star Trek culture. Yes, yeah. exactly. Right, right, right. Uh, which is exciting. Well, speaking about being a part of the Star Trek mythos, uh, Rick, you had the opportunity of reprising your role as Landry in Star Trek Online. A remarkable performance. I, I mean, Thank you gave you. it 400%. I mean, it was just remarkable. 100 and 400%. 100 and 400%. Yeah, added to 500%. 500. Talk to us a little bit about stepping back into her shoes. I was thrilled to step back into her shoes and find out, you know, I feel like most of the fan base had a question when they met Landry, which is like, how is this person a Starfleet officer? She's the most different Starfleet officer we had ever met, to say it politely. And everybody had this question. How did she get that way? Why is she that way? What happened? You know, wanting to know more. And it was wonderful that these guys created a beautiful story to really explain what I feel like was always part of the story but never had the words to explore. So I'm grateful for it. How involved uh, were you in the development of the character for Star Trek Online? Were you? Were, did you have an opportunity to give some feedback and develop the character? I was a, li- a little involved, a little involved. <laughs> yeah. we, we had a couple of good chats about it, but a year before we started, was yeah, it? Yeah, it was, it was this time last year. Yeah. We met for dinner to go over the story and talking about, do we want to have a... A love interest. Yeah, right? yeah. And who that love interest should be and whether it should be a man or a woman and, and all the ends. And we kind of wanted to see what, what Rekha was comfortable with and what she wanted to do. And and so that influenced some of the change, the decisions that we made. Yeah. yeah. I'm just going to add in, I think the one thing that's really amazing, uh, you know, for people who don't know the story, it's actually probably one of the most emotional stories that we've ever told in Star Trek Online. And it was actually very hard. I mean, how many, we went back and forth constantly on the script. We're like, Use this word. No, do that word. We, there was a lot of stuff, and I think, but it all spawned from that initial conversation that you guys had, that, right. and it, 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 it kept going back to that. And I think it was it, it turned out amazing. So, is by far the most emotional, emotional yes. story, and, and and I think that we've had a lot of the actors from from Star Trek come into the game, and a lot of them do amazing performances. But what's amazing is that you meet them as people, and you say, "Oh, this is who they are," and then they come into the recording studio, and then they flip on their character, right? And it's like, "Oh, wow, they're right, right. that's Jerry Ryan." And like, "Wow, boom, she's seven of nine. and it's like completely different people. It's like, "Well, that's an actor, right?" But it's rare that we've had an opportunity that we had with Reka to do uh, an emotional story where she's able to bring a powerful emotional performance that, when she's recording, we're in tears in the bo- in the booth, <laughs> listening to her cry. Right, right it just was real. Right, right. So it was. So no one's done that before, and so it's the most powerful performance we have in the, in the game. It really is. Yeah, so by far. Wow. By very, far. very, very I'm pleased humbled. with it. I, yeah. I mean, my colleagues are incredible, and I, you know, I'm sure they were brilliant with whatever they they did as well. But you know, it always comes down to the writing. 
And the more the more meat you give me, the more I can sink my teeth in. So I appreciate tofu. Tofu. We're talking about tofu. Right. Right. <laughs> tofu. Tofu. I appreciate the protein. We'll just call it protein. Those so when you were fantastic. When you originally were cast as Landry, you know, I I presume there was some script analysis, kind of building your own headcanon for who the character was. How did it change for you when it was flushed out with Star Trek Online even further? Well, I mean, it kind of opened my eyes to, you know, choices that I made that I, you know, were based on much less facts and kind of seeing them in a new light. And I, I think the fans will experience that as well, go... Oh, okay. That puts a whole nother spin on my understanding of why she did what she did, and yeah, all the that things that went down. Great experience. That's you know, just kind of so cool. Right, right, right. It's so, I mean, it's incredibly rare to be able to do it mm-hmm. in reverse. Yes, yeah. You know, now you are no stranger, obviously, to the science fiction franchise. No. Uh, after a <laughs> wonderful run with Battlestar Galactica and a wonderful performance there as well. Thank you. Stepping into Star Trek and now adding another science fiction notch to your belt. What do you see as being the differences, not just in the in the genre and the story, but even with the fans and people who you interact with? I mean, Star Trek is huge, multi-generational <laughs> legacy show. So, you know, as incredible as it was to be on Battlestar Galactica, uh, and, it, you know, it's the greatest job of my, my career, absolutely. This is huge to be part of the Star Trek family, to be part of the, the fan base, you know, to interact with these people that, you know, some of them, it's like their, their parents got them into it. And it, it's so big. And not only is it big, it's, it has a through line of, of goodness <laughs> in it that I think very few stories out there do that are, have been told and told for so long. It's just an honor an absolute honor. I, it's great to have you in this franchise. It's fantastic. So thank it's, you. Thank you so very much. You know, I wanted to talk a little bit about that final fight scene that you had on Discovery, or rather, Kron, right, with Michelle Yeoh. I, you know, I haven't had the opportunity of, of listening to you talk much about that choreography and that that yeah. fight scene. I mean, what was that like? So when I found out. Like, I, I found out that I was going to be in a fight scene before I even flew out because uh, <laughs> the wonderful Ted Sullivan was like, you might want to work out a bit before you come up. Do you have any fighting background? I was like, yeah, I've done a little kung fu. He's like, yeah, just brush up. I'm like, dude, what are you not telling me? And then in the original script, I was actually fighting Michelle. And I just about fell over when he told me that because Michelle has for a long time been one of my heroes. When Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon came out, I was actually, that's when I had studied a little bit of Kung Fu at the time. And I would obsess over her movies. I would just like rewind, watch her do little cool little things over and over again. And I kind of wanted to be Michelle Yeoh. So (laughs) to find out that I was going to be in a fight scene with her was like mind boggling, very exciting. And they, of course, they changed it. And I think it was a better change that Sonequa and her would fight and then Jason and I would fight. But I was still absolutely thrilled. I'm like, we're the four of us are in the same room. I'm in the same room as Michelle Yeoh <laughs> fighting. And when we were shooting it, I was so excited. I was doing things that didn't even make sense. I was filming the monitor while watching her. Like whenever I wasn't on, they were shooting sort of her side. I was like, what am I doing? The monitor is right in front of me, but I'm filming it. And then I like 
found myself like in the hallways and and in the bathroom, even like watching the <laughs> over and over and over again. I was like, just put the phone down. You're obsessed. <laughs> I was so excited to watch her do her work. That was an amazing fight scene. Some phenomenal choreography. So, congrats. how much of that is you? Quite a bit. Quite a bit. Oh, yeah? Quite a bit. It was an amazing experience. I was thrilled to be part of the the whole stunt process. That's also been a, a dream of mine, obviously. Or I wouldn't have studied a little bit of kung fu. It was the only reason why I studied the kung fu in the first place was to hopefully be able to do it on television one day. And yeah, it's been a dream of mine to be there with the stunt team, learning how to choreograph stuff. And they brought us in two days early so before I shot any of the show I just worked with the stunt team for two days and it was awesome to see the process how you, you learn something and then it changes like ten times before you actually go to shoot it yeah they just they're an awesome team on that show they want to make you look good they want you to be happy they want you to be comfortable and they work the butts off so yeah. you know you know it's funny you go two days early I'm like that is so not enough time I would be freaked out yeah, yeah. There, I mean, there's that, too. But, hey, it's been a lot. You know, I did a fight scene in Nikita. You, you can probably look it up on YouTube. They brought me in a day early, and they were disorganized. Sorry, guys. Cat's out of the bag. <laughs> so they actually didn't even use me. I, I stayed in my hotel room that whole day. They didn't choreograph the scene with me until we were blocking the scene. I literally had 15 to 20 minutes before we went to camera to learn that choreography. So that's what I was used to. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, I've had some better experiences You've got that. skills is what you're saying. That's, that's, that's what I'm hearing. No, it's <laughs> just, you know, you do what you can with the time that you have. And I'm so grateful that they gave me more time. Yeah. Thank you, CBS. Did you ever accidentally clock someone? No. No? No. Not even Jason? Wanted to. Wanted to. No. <laughs> well, he, stabs, he stabs you in the back, right? I know. So. I was like, dude, so rude. Thought so, we were getting along. So, Bill, let me ask you, you know, it, it, I'm sure it's uh, no easy task to bring a Star Trek actor into the game, you know, and make it and resemble them in such a way. Talk to us a little bit about that process, uh, bringing, digitizing Oreka. Yeah, so it's, uh, it's super challenging. We have, there's two different people that... One does an initial zebra sculpt, and then the other one kind of tries to finish it off. It's even more challenging with, with Ringo, because in real life, you're very happy and smiling. Like right now, you're smiling. But your character was very stoic. Yeah. And, we, and it was like, wait, we're doing the character. We're not doing you. We're doing the character. And we'd go back and forth. And like Al and I would be like, Al's like, no, she doesn't look like that. I've seen her in real life. And it's like, no, but on the show, she looks like this. Right, right. And, you know, like the hair is different. And then yeah. you did... Uh, I mean, kudos to you, because, like, the difference of you in real life and the character, it's like, it is two different people. Thank you. And, and the, it made my job really hard, and my <laughs> artist's job really hard. <laughs> but, you know, I think we, we got it to a point where we were happy with it. You know, I think being artists, we could work on it forever. But yeah. it, was a, it was a big challenge to, to get it. But I, I think it, you, if you play the episode, you can see it. I think it turned out really well. Yeah, I think it looks great. Yeah. Congratulations. So. Have, have you had an opportunity to watch the mission playthrough or even play it yourself? I don't did know you how control? to play games at all. <laughs> I'm like the worst. But I, I did see the scenes, which you can actually see on YouTube right. now. So I, never mind. Okay. Well, you, probably a play, a play, there are plenty of playthroughs. You know, if you do, do a search for, for those episodes, players have played through the whole thing. So you can see the whole cool. thing. The actual cutscene things that I are just private links for I sent for you. Oh, okay. I wouldn't mind seeing a playthrough. Yeah, we can. I'll send you. I'll find a good playthrough. If somebody okay. has a really good playthrough, yeah. 
Priority One peeps, if someone has a playthrough of, of Reka's two episodes with just the playthrough, no commentary, and just, just play through the full episode nice and clean, send it to Elijah if, Priority One, and I'll make sure that Reka gets it. What if I do the commentary? Will you still show Reka? I, I just want her to see the episode. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yes, please send. Why don't we talk a little bit about uh, what you're working on now and, you know, what we can look forward to. So we just wrapped this this spring. Well, I worked on a couple of things that you might be able to see again. I, I did a Lifetime movie and a Hallmark movie, which both aired in the same weekend oh, yeah. um, in June, which is funny. The Lifetime movie stars Erica Christensen, and it's called To Have and To Hold, not sci-fi. And uh, and the Hallmark movie with Chris Palaha and Jill Wagner is called Mystery 101, Playing Dead. Something like that. Murder 101, Playing Dead. And uh, it was great to do something not sci-fi for a change and both light and, you know, sweet stories. But the, the other thing that I'm really excited about is a series called Limetown based on a podcast by the same name. Okay. And it stars Jessica Biel and Stanley Tucci. And they are fantastic. The story is very exciting. I saw the teaser (laughs) at Paramount last month, went and visited everybody who's doing the editing, and I'm really excited about this show. It, It airs on October 16th on Facebook Watch. Okay. Is this the one where you're a cop or something? I'm an FBI agent, and I'm sort of, I'm the one who's tracking Jessica Biel's character and keeping tabs on her and trying to make sure she doesn't get up to anything. And you said this is based off of a podcast? Yeah, a podcast called Limetown. It's a fantastic podcast. I would say listen to it if you don't mind spoilers. Okay. There are some things that are a bit different about the series that we've done, but it's pretty, pretty similar. Okay. There's a lot that is directly from the podcast. So I don't think it'll ruin it if you don't mind already knowing the story. Okay. All right. Good. But right, good. So noted when priority one caution. creates a film adaptation, I'm going to make sure that our casting director calls you yes. when they bring priority one to the, to the silver screen. That's what <laughs> yes, we're going to do. Yes. Um, well, one of the things I do want to ask, of course, is will we see a return of Landry to Star Trek online? I think that it for the really sharp players who are paying attention to the episodes, you, you will, you, there are clues that will answer that question okay. if you're paying attention. You've got to really be paying attention. So Rick and I have talked about her just even just coming back, just playing some non-Landry characters just, just, to, just to be in the game more. That you would, you know, someone you may not recognize just and, and any other character because we've had a lot of fun together. Okay. But as far as Landry is concerned, I'd like to see the conspiracy series come out about how that might be possible. Okay. I'm just going to say, like, I don't, I'm not going to spill anything, but it would be awesome if we can make that happen. Have you, yeah. have you had an opportunity <laughs> yeah. to play but an alien species before? I haven't. You have not? Okay. To. Okay. Okay. I want to do all of the things, yeah. especially with these guys. These guys are such a joy to work with. Thank you for being so awesome. Happy to get on a plane. What do you, what, what <laughs> kind that. of alien do you think you would want to play? Let's, let's say Star Trek alien. What, which one is like on the top of your list? Klingon. Klingon? And maybe a Klingon. Maybe a Klingon. Maybe a Borg. Okay. That's awesome. That was that was my top two pick for yeah. you right there. Yes. That was sweet. <laughs> sweet. Yeah. I think you can rock Rom- Romulan too. Yeah, man. Yeah, I think you can rock Romulan. Totes. She could do any well, of Well, and a Vulcan, of course. Yeah. Yeah. A yeah. Gorn. Yeah. 
Can Gorn? I be a Gorn? I don't even know how that would work. But uh, we've Al and I have had this discussion. <laughs> we don't need to get back into the, the Gorn. 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 Gorn sexes? No, I don't want to talk about that either, man. Not, not Gorn sex. Gorn sexes, males. And oh female yeah, we're Gorn, talking about yeah. that. Yes, they, yes. The, they look the same. In our yes, game. they all look the same. Right. There's no distinction between a male and female. Tell you right. Tell you right. Tell you right. see something that pu- that pushes her and pushes her talents. Maybe. Yeah. Now, I mean, I just want to do them all. <laughs> Al was telling me during an interview that what you were you spent like the entire day in the recording booth, and so that yeah, scene, that day. very powerful scene, was a combination of having been emotionally exhausted by the end of the day from kind of what I what I understood. Tell us a little bit about that experience, just being in the booth, and then it that process. A, it was a fabulous day. It was just one of those, you know, where I was shooting all night in Vancouver. Till quite late, and you know, it was exciting. It was exciting. Not much sleep. You land, you know. Uh, they, bag lost, was lost. they lost your luggage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then we're just hurrying. Our so we started late because the, I go yeah. pick her up and our luggage is gone. So yeah. it got us even started late. I mean, I love the process in terms of, you know, we, we start at the beginning and, and go to the end. Being theater trained, it's, it's so. It's so much better, really, to follow the the story in a linear process so you can experience it, you know, going through everything and and trying different takes, different things that were going to work. And it was just a really collaborative process. I love that these guys were open to me trying things in a different way. And, you know, sometimes people can be very, oh, just do it once and, and we'll move on. No, they too wanted to try We'll try it like this and try it like that. And to me, that that's a dream. You know, I, I'm here to play. That's that's what I, I do as an actor. I, I could do it all day long. And so we did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Got to take breaks. But, yeah, there was, yeah. It was it was a long session. And then you stopped for some interviews. And then I yeah. uh, met the team, stopped and make the team for a little while and took some photos, some B-roll yeah. footage. and Had some nuts, and, you know, to keep feel myself through right. <laughs> But, but yeah, as I mentioned before, what worked really well is that because we did it linearly like through the story, yeah. as you were getting tired, Landry was getting tired. Yeah. Right. And basically because she was exhausted, like three days on this ice world and your voice started cracking and said, do it again. I says, no, that was great. I love that the voice cracks when she's screaming because it was very real. And that like this person, Landry, was exhausted three days, yeah. you know, in survival mode. So it just it. So I'm just going to exhaust all our voice actors from now on. That can bite you in the butt. Yeah, no, that doesn't no. always work. And that's also like, you know, the acting process, like I, allowing myself to become more and more beat down by yeah. the time we get to the end. Because, I mean, and again, theater training. I know because we talked about the story. I know what's happening at the end. So which is so much better for the process, oh, right, you know, because right. you go, OK, I know I got to hit that. Let me get myself there, yeah. right? What do you think about the importance of diversity in Star Trek? You know, the the, uh, the story that was developed for Landry obviously represented even farther than what we saw on Star Trek. You know, it's very, for me personally, it's very important to represent the Latino community. You yeah. Know? Talk to us a little bit about that and, and that role of representation, and, and especially in science fiction. I mean, I think it's... It's essential. It's essential. Uh, you know, I've t- I know I've talked about this. <laughs> I, I guess I'm going to keep talking about this now that I'm part of the Star Trek world. But you know, I, I I grew up watching TOS reruns when I was a little girl, and it was the first experience I had of seeing uh, storytelling in a way that we could imagine a future where there was no racism, where there was a lot of diversity, 
And it was, I think, the seed to me being able to believe that I could be an actor because there was a lot around my, <laughs> in my real life that said I couldn't be. There was no representation. I didn't see myself and it's changing now. And I really wanted to be part of that change. And the fact that I actually got to be part of that change in Star Trek is like this whole crazy full circle thing that I feel very blessed to be a part of. If we can't talk about the future and envision it the way that we want to see it, I don't think we can make change as a culture. You know, I always say, even to make breakfast, you have to imagine it first. We can't do anything without imagining it. That's literally how our body is wired. You want to move your arm, you have to imagine moving your arm. So it absolutely begins with storytelling. Let's all be brave enough to imagine a world that we want to live in and tell that story until it becomes a true story. You're here. Yeah, Thank I, you. I'd like to yeah, chime yeah. in on that a little bit because for whatever reason, there's, there always seems to be some sort of controversy around this or someone upset about it. Why do, we, why do they have to force this character to be black or a woman or, or gay or something like that? And it's just force or it's just Hollywood uh, pandering or something. And it's such nonsense, I'm going to say. It, you know, Star Trek has done a great job. Star Trek continues to do a better job. Star Trek Online, I think we've done a good job. And I think we can still do even better of a job. And it's important that we do. And, and, it's, and it's, not, it's not pandering. It's not, it's, it's, it's not obligatory. It's because of the story that she just told that you know, when you ask someone, says, what do you want to see? You ask someone, if you ask someone, a gay or black or woman or trans or something, what do you see? They say, I want to see someone like me, right? It's important to see someone like me. So when, when you're a little boy or a little girl and you see in a TV that someone says, oh, look, mom, she's like me. That's so important. And if you don't understand that, then that's it's because you're from a position of privilege. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. And, Absolutely. And, you know, I'm Puerto Rican, but I I look white, and I think I, I enjoy the privilege of looking white. But I do. But, but I did grow up with with those sort of problems because of just of my last name. Right. And it is so important to just have that representation as much as you can, so everyone has something, someone to look up to, right. and aspire to, and and and. This is wonderful picture of this little girl on the internet looking at a picture of of Captain Marvel, right? And it's like, or these or these little black boys dancing after after uh, uh, Black Panther. How important that is for them to see someone that's like them, that's a positive figure. So, Star Trek keeps doing it. Star Trek leads the way. Star Trek Online is going to continue to do more of that as much as they can going forward. Yeah, you know, as awesome. we're talking about this, this woman right here just came up to me yesterday and told me what it meant to her to see herself represented, to see her people represented. And like, you know, that's proof right there. It makes a difference. People come up to me and tell me that. And, you know, I think about like what my white sisters get to fight for. They, you know, Mary Chifo, she gets to talk about what it is to be a tall woman. You know, uh, Mary Wiseman gets to talk about what it's to be a curvy woman. We don't even get to choose that. We're like anybody who happens to be brown. We're just happy to see that face, even if they don't look like us. Right. Just right. to know that our culture is being represented. I can't wait for the day. And I hope it comes very soon where an Indian woman is going to go, oh, there's a curvy Indian woman being represented on the screen. Those details. We're not even there. 
Well, I want to thank you all so very much for joining us, Priority One Podcast. I think it's great to end on that positive note and the desire to make sure that we are all represented accurately in the genres that we love, anything, science fiction, whatnot. So again, I want to thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. Rekha, it was a real honor speaking with you. Al, Bill, thank you so very much for the work that it's you do on Star Trek Online to help yeah, bring these right? stories to life. And Rekha, thanks for being a part of it and expanding the Star Trek universe and Landry's character. Thank you so very much. Thank you. All right. Awesome. Thank, thank you. you. Bye. Well, that wraps up episode 425 of Priority One a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. For more great podcasts, visit podcasts.roddenberry.com and be sure to check out the latest addition to the Roddenberry Podcast Network, Shabam. Captains, we want to hear from you. Let us know what you thought about our coverage from STLV 2019. Leave us a comment on our website at PriorityOnePodcast.com or visit us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash podcast. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter under at PriorityOnePod. Of course, this show would not be possible without the loyal contributions of our patrons. We thank our Priority One patron family for their monthly financial support of Priority One. And of course, our STLV coverage would not have been possible without the help of Mixed Dimensions. Be sure to take advantage of 20% off of your order by using coupon code PRIORITY20, that's PRIORITY and the numbers 20, at checkout. That 20% applies to all ships at all sizes. And if you need a little more temptation, be sure to review my unboxing that I did with Thomas Maroney of Star Trek Online at Las Vegas. You can find that on all of our social media channels with a link in our show notes. And despite all of this, the production of this show would not be possible without the loyal volunteers that work to edit our content. Thanks to audio editors William Hardy, Brandon Parker, Rand Hurl, Daniel Stevens, and Skiffy. Thanks to our producer, Jake Morgan, for not only assisting me in the weekly production of the show, but being my right hand at STLV this year. To community manager, Shane Hoover. To Legacy Tony for joining us this year at STLV on his own dime and offering support when needed. Along with our graphic artist, Henry Pomper. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. Thanks to our syndication partners, Subspace Radio and Trek Radio. And of course, a very special thanks to my special guests this week during STLV. Rekha Sharma, Connor Trenier, John Delancey, and Fazri Zubair. Now, most importantly, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek community, our listeners, because without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. Enemy ship on sensors. Red alert. Engage. tell i got my voice back a little bit it's not as scraggly and like hoarse and dry there's actually i walked out of the airport 
and I just soaked in the humid moisture in the Jersey air. It was delightful. I can breathe again without it burning. <laughs> it's great. Podcast.roddenberry.com The Roddenberry Podcast Network.